From the Orange County Fire Authority, this is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host. Welcome to the first 2021 podcast. My name is Kenny Dossie. I'm the newly appointed Deputy Chief of the Emergency Operations Bureau. So today on the podcast, some of the things uh, we're hoping to cover is number one, just an introduction of the podcast, uh, what this is all about. I'll have a brief introduction of myself and the deputy chief job and the leader's intent. We'll also talk about the bond fire and some of the great things that happened during that event. And then we'll uh, get a little bit more in the weeds and talk about a, uh, a new SOP that's coming out that's definitely gonna affect everybody. So hopefully that's what we uh, get to today during this podcast. We've decided to try a podcast uh, just because it's another means for us to communicate with uh, everybody that's uh, out there in the stations and the headquarters. Um, it's very difficult to communicate uh, to people in this organization. You know, we're spread out 77 stations, three separate shifts, headquarters, 1,500 people. Um, and this is just another way that we could potentially get our message out. The normal ways that we communicate, uh, station visits, the briefing folder, memos, uh, general orders, SOPs and handbooks, those are still gonna stay in effect and, and they're very effective ways that we communicate. Um, and they are the official ways we communicate, but we're trying to reach out and uh, get the message out even more. And some of the different ways uh, we're doing it, you've seen the Ask the Chief video uh, there's daily conference calls with the captains and the battalion chiefs, what's going on in the battalions. The battalion chiefs have their own conference calls, so they have an idea what's going on. There's a situational awareness app where when we have incidents uh, within the county, we're able to communicate uh, what's going on with some latest and greatest information. The ops chief has a meeting every week with all the division chiefs, and there's notes from that that are distributed out, and those notes are specifically designed uh, for the division chiefs to pass them on down to the captains or, and the battalion chiefs. And there's not a lot of information on them. There's just a little bit to help stimulate that conversation and kind of have that one-on-one -on -one back and forth. We've also implemented where all uh, battalion chiefs meet with their division chiefs in a group. so that division can actually sit down with all of them together. And, and just all these are different ways to communicate. And uh, this podcast is no different. We're going to try this out and uh, see if we can just help get our message out. Okay, so uh, let me jump a little bit into myself and my leader's intent. Um, I think it's important that um, I talk a little bit about where I came from. I started here in Academy number 12 in 1989, and I've worked my way up through the ranks firefighter, firefighter paramedic, engineer, captain. I was a crew chief on the helicopter for a while. Made BC um, in the field and then took a staff assignment uh, in EMS. From there, I went to division chief in charge of ECC for about 14 months and then assistant chief of operations uh, last year in 2020 uh, to my current position right now. So um, some of my initial thoughts for the Emergency Operations Bureau um, is it's really simple. It just comes down to what's important here. And, and, and the number one thing is that the fire engines and trucks and medic units roll out the door. Everything revolves around that first. 
Um, it seems like sometimes we get uh, wrapped up in other things that are going on in the organization, but remember that the reason that we're here is that uh, the fire engines are available in our first in for our citizens and that they roll out the front door. So if you think about that in the back of your mind, um, that's a good basis and a good start. Um, we, we've really been working on our response times, getting out the door, and there's been some great improvement, um, and that's what's expected. The citizens, once again, do come first. Um, during my uh, tenure here in this position, you know, what I hope to focus on, and there's, there's a few things here, but the first one is taking care of the health and safety of our members. That's uh, number one and at the very top of my list. And some of the things that we have going on in relation to that, some new stuff uh, that you might be aware of, is the Glove Exchange Program for the Cancer Awareness and Prevention Program, the Particulate Hood Exchange, the Cancer Cohort, where they went to the airport with the ARF guys and uh, drew urine and blood samples to see what types of traces that they had, and the Asbestos Exposure Reduction Program we're looking into right now. And then some of the stuff that's already been in place and we're continuing to enforce is the station designs, the sunscreen dispensers, the clean cab concept for the new units. And then everybody's aware that the two turnouts, which was uh, a very big accomplishment a few years ago, we're continuing to support those things for the health and safety of our members. Um, something else, or my second bullet point really, is improving communications. This is one example, um, doing a podcast. Um, and some of the other stuff that I listed earlier and all the different types of ways we're trying to communicate with this uh, organization uh, is also um, helping that. We need the information to go up and down the chain of command, back and forth, so we can figure out what's going on. My third bullet point is succession planning. Everybody needs to be a mentor. Everybody needs to think about their replacement. We won't always all be here in these positions or the position that you're in. So grab somebody, mentor them, teach them what you're doing so that they have an understanding and they don't make maybe some of the same mistakes either you made or someone before you made that helped mentor you. Resilience is my fourth bullet point. You know, we want to try to decrease the injuries for your own personal health and for the health of the organization. We want you to protect yourself and protect others. Um, ways of doing that, physical fitness is always super important. Dieting, um, on calls, take a look, see if there's something that's not safe. Everybody's a safety officer. And then my last bullet point is kind of back to what I, what I started with was, it's pretty straightforward, we got to get the engines out the door, that's the most important thing, and try to improve our service every day. If we always are attempting to improve it, and we can improve, then we're heading in the right direction. That's kind of my bullet points on what I wanted to talk about. There's also some specifics about decision makings uh, and, and kind of where we go from here. Um, right now, I, I believe, and this is me, is if we have strong captains and strong battalion chiefs in the organization, um, a lot of the small problems will uh, solve themselves. And if you stop and think about that, it's the captains in the stations going on the calls, handling uh, the, the day to day, day in and day out. And if those captains are strong captains and they're um, decision makers and they're competent in their work, um, that will handle a lot of our, our smaller issues that seem to pop up. And then right above them, the battalion chiefs, you know, they help with uh, the information getting to management, 
or pushing the manage, uh, management issue down, if you have strong battalion chiefs um, and captains in the organization, I think, I, th- I think we'll do pretty well. So we focused a lot on uh, the battalion chiefs and the captains this last year um, with, with classes and training and, um, and mentoring, and, and I think that's starting to show. So even though that's what I focus on or that's what we've talked about focusing on, that doesn't mean that the firefighter at the end of the hose line or someone above battalion chief isn't important. Everybody's important and everyone needs to to feel comfortable making decisions. And that'll be my last point that I'll talk about for my intent here. You know, know, we're all going to make mistakes here and there, but if you're too afraid to make a decision because you're afraid that you're going to make a mistake... Um, that's not the right attitude that we need. We need people that are out there that can make a decision based on the circumstances that are around them, and then we can make corrections from there. So, um, you know, as long as you're staying within your scope, you're following the rules, if something needs to be done, um, feel comfortable making that decision and making that happen versus kicking up the chain of command at one level to the next level to the next level until it's approved and then it comes back down and by that time it's too late to make that decision. So we're really we're really looking for decision makers. It's something that I tell all the uh, uh, classes that are promoting as a captain's academy or the battalion chief's academy starts. I usually go in and give a, a quick overview on that's what we're looking for. We're looking for people that can make decisions. I'm not saying go off on a, a tangent and make your own decision uh, based on your own rules. We have rules in place but realize that you have um, some guidelines in there to actually make some decisions on your own. So that's kind of about me and my leader's intent. Another topic that I'd like to discuss is the bonfire. And and I've got a really good story about the bonfire. We all know that the uh, fire started uh, in a structure in Silverado Canyon uh, late into the night. I think it was sometime around 2230-ish. The fire got outside the structure and got into the brush with red flag conditions and it was off to the races. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I responded in from home and uh, went to the incident command post and uh, was helping uh, a little bit there. And I went out to get some intel. Radio communications were a little bit spotty at the time, and we wanted to kind of get an idea of, of where this fire was going because we knew that it was, it was off and it was racing based on the uh, wind conditions. So I drove one canyon over, and those of you that are familiar with Silverado, if you head south one canyon, you'll run into what's called Williams Canyon, and and that's a private road, a private community up there, and it's one way in and one way out. And this is probably sometime around midnight. Um, And as I drove Silverado uh, Canyon Road, uh, there was a strike team from outside the area, an OES strike team, and they were staged out on uh, Silverado Canyon Road, or excuse me, Santiago Canyon Road. And, And I was... I was a little bit shocked to see him staged out there, but I, you know, I didn't know what their assignment was. So I went ahead and made a left and headed up Williams Canyon. And as I went up Williams Canyon, I came across an Orange County strike team. It was 1400 Charlie. And, uh, I ran into the strike team leader. It was Mike Morgenstern. And, uh, I said, Hey, you know, what are you guys doing? What's the plan? And Mike said, uh, Hey, what we've done is we found some temporary refuge areas, some TRAs, We've anchored in some good spots uh, to point to, to get us out of this area, and um, and we're going to make some st- make a stand on on some houses. And at this point in time, I'm looking around. There's horses running down uh, wildly that have been let loose. There's people trying to evacuate. It's one way in, one way out. 
Those that are familiar, both sides of the canyon are on fire. Uh, I can't tell what houses are burning or what houses are not burning at this, this point in time just because of the smoke and because it was dark, but everything was on fire. And, uh, you know, I checked in with Mike and made sure that he had taken care of his guys and they were in good, safe spots. And, and then I headed on my, on my way. And, and my thought was, we probably lost every single house inside that canyon. Um, I would be surprised if there was any that were saved. And I, and I know our, our individual engines were all choosing houses to save. And I did ask Mike, I said, what's going on with the OES strike team? And he said, I've been trying to get him to come up here. But those of you that have been in that canyon know that it's probably one of those situations that is a little bit sketchy, especially if you're from outside the area. But anyway, so, so I left and, and went on my way. And, and the next morning, I, I made a, a, an effort to go back out there and take a look. And, you know, it was probably 7.30 in the morning. I drove out there, and that strike team was still there. And um, all the uh, vegetation everywhere in there was burnt. And I was shocked that there was houses that weren't burned down up and down the canyon. And the spacing of the units, the spots that they took, it was unbelievable. I thought, well, we're probably going to lose, you know, everything, like I said, but we lost very minimal. I think there was a total of four houses lost, and they were houses that weren't on the main road. So a really good story um, for our individuals having the familiarization with our own area. Yeah, and I know that the Williams Canyon incident was one incident that I saw, um, and it was a great story. And I know there was probably hundreds of other stories out there. So I just want to thank everybody that was involved, uh, no matter what you did from A to Z, um, because this fire was a success. Another topic that I'd like to cover um, is the Silverado fire. As everyone's aware, we had an unfortunate event with the burn over there, and the AAR is in development still. Um, but immediately we had a SART team, serious accident review team, come out and help us with the review and the investigation. Um, that team is made up of individuals from outside the agency along with some individuals inside our agency. And a lot of the findings and recommendations um, we are going to definitely uh, incorporate into the next RT-130. And you'll see those as you watch RT-130. So, some of it will be the standard stuff that we do uh, every year. And then there will be some, some additional things in there to make us better as a group. So for example, the, uh, the standardization and the wearing of PPE at all times when you're on these incidents. We'll, we'll discuss in a little more detail spot fires, LCES. Um, OCFA does not have a specific policy on firing. So that's in the developmental phases right now and we'll be adopting something and it'll be consistent for everyone. It'll be standardized. The go, no-go checklist will be the same. The briefing checklist will be the same. At the end of the RT-130, um, there will be a video and it, it, it's kind of a situation that shouts watch out. Situation number 19 is what I like to call it. Uh, when you're putting fire on the ground for whatever reason, um, uh, this video will help go over some of the basics that everybody should be aware of. Uh, OCFA is in the process of updating our SOP when we're uh, putting fire on the ground. And uh, it will have a go, no-go checklist that's consistent that everyone has. And then it's the same uh, one because it's adopted from our SOP. Something else uh, we've done uh, post this report is 
we've decided to send all battalion chiefs through a division soup class. And that's including the new battalion chiefs that were just recently uh, passed the test. Prior to them going to the academy, um, we're going to send them through a division soup class. And not for the qualifications, the, the class is for the education piece of it. We feel it's important that um, anybody in this organization can end up on a division whatever. And uh, the information that you'll gather in that, uh, in that class will be helpful for um, all of our BCs and above. Um, and then the last thing um, that we're looking to do is there's going to probably be some enhancements to our crew supervision. We're still developing the plan. There's more to come. But um, OCFA is definitely looking at this um, report and trying to improve uh, each day, just like I said uh, earlier in this podcast. Okay, the, the last topic uh, I'd like to talk about is um, a new SOP that's coming out. It's a vehicle um, labeling SOP for relief pieces of equipment. And I, I've got to start by thanking Chief Petro. He did the uh, majority of this and did an outstanding job. And for those of you that are familiar, uh, we put an SOP together when we, when we updated the last one and it came out and it didn't work. And I sent an email out that said, hey, this isn't working. We're going to bring this back in. We're going to rework it and, uh, and, and get this thing back out to you. And it took a little longer than I thought. But this SOP affects a lot of people. Um, it's staffing. It's EMS, and remember, with EMS, they've got, you know, the EPCR, they've got controlled drugs, CQI, base hospitals. Uh, it affects payroll. It affects ECC, the shop, IT, uh, the firefighters in the field, obviously, the battalion chiefs, and the service center. So this SOP touches everywhere in Orange County Fire, and I think it was important for us to get it right. And we've just finished it, and all those different sections have looked at it and bought into it, and it's now in the approval process. But I think it's important that I go over it a little bit with you so you hear it from me and, and kind of get a concept of, uh, of what we did. So the old SOP, we had 800 and 900 engines. They were all relief engines. They all had different amounts of equipment, and they were in different... Um, stages of their careers usually the 800s were about ready to be out, uh, serviced out and and it didn't make sense to have relief engines that were two different sets of numbers whether it was 800s or 900s so we immediately uh, serviced uh all the older equipment and we have two relief pieces of equipment in every battalion so we have a total of 22 engines I'm, i'll talk about engines only and all the engines all relief engines will be 900 so you'll see a nine first, and then after that, you'll see the number of the station of where it is stored only. So you can see any engine that drives by and it says 957, you go, oh, it's a relief, and it's stationed at station 57 when it's in storage. So um, when your regular engine, and I'll just use engine 21 as an example, if engine 21 was to break down and need a relief engine, they'd go grab a 900 engine, drive it over to the station, and if engine 21 is out of service, meaning it's at the shop or that number's not being used anymore, you would take your um, plates that are at your stations right now, would say engine 21, and you'd slide them in to, on the 900 engine, and you'd be engine 21, and no one would even notice. All things would be back to normal, and you'd be functioning no problem. Pretty easy, straightforward. That's when a unit goes out of service. When it gets a little bit um, sideways is when 
an engine is either put on a long incident inside of Orange County or outside of Orange County on a strike team, maybe a USAR event, and that number is still being used. Now, sometimes in the past, people have went and got a 900 engine and put the regular plate in there, and now we have two engine 21s, and that doesn't work for all those different areas of OCFA I told you about, payroll, staffing. So in this particular case, what we're going to do moving forward now is you'll have two sets of numbers. The new numbers will be 800s, but it'll be an 800 followed by your station. So in 21's case, since engine 21 is on a call and actually out there functioning and, and the individuals are on it, we'd bring a relief engine in, we'd hire behind, and when those individuals came to the station, they'd grab the 800 plates and put 821 in service. Now you'd know it's a relief engine and you know that it's functioning at a station 21. So I think that's going to make it clear for everybody whether you're on an incident uh, and you see an 800 coming or you see a 900 driving on the road. Um, the SOP, like I said, is in the uh, approval process. It should uh, takes about 30 days to get through that. And I just wanted to give you guys an overview of, of where we were on that because we did have a little bit of a hiccup uh, probably about three or four months ago. Uh, a couple last topics uh, that I'll throw in here at the end, uh, promotions and hiring. Um, OCFA has somewhere between 75 and 100 openings um, for the field folks. Um, so we're going to continue to hire and continue to promote. There's uh, no reason for us to slow that down. We've made a lot of progress in the past few years. So um, I get that question a lot when I go to the stations. When are we going to slow down promotions? Um, as of right now, we're still moving forward. We just uh, announced the captain's uh, test. We'll be moving forward, and, uh, and we don't anticipate slowing down uh, much at all. Uh, obviously, we will reevaluate as time moves on, but that process is moving forward. And the last topic I'll talk about here is uh, the COVID-19 strategic plan. Right when uh, COVID-19 hit, um, OCFA uh, assembled a team of OCFA employees to start thinking about um, the resilience of, of OCFA and how do we manage the pandemic that we found ourselves in. And not only the pandemic that we found ourselves in, but how would we be good in the future if we had a, uh, a second wave, and obviously we did go through that, or a third wave. Um, or if something else hit, if there was another uh, type of pandemic or something that happened. So we've got this COVID-19 strategic plan that helps address a lot of those issues. And like I said, it was designed by employees of OCFA. And uh, we're slowly working our way through that right now. And um, hopefully you've seen some of those changes. A lot of the things on there are, you know, make sure uh, we have clear communications with what we're doing. We have enough equipment available to protect the employees etc etc so i think it's important that everyone knows that there is a plan in place and it is being implemented and a lot of the objectives um, are being fulfilled um, on a weekly or monthly basis i'm going to wrap this up it's an honor to represent uh, everyone as the deputy chief of emergency operations bureau um, we plan on using uh, this podcast mechanism to help communicate hopefully you guys enjoyed it Next time, I plan on bringing in the operations chief, Phil Johnson, and get some input on him for his leader's intent and uh, other things going on in the agency. Until then, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Stay safe. Thank you.